All right, today's message is called Do It Again. And in today's message, I want to talk a little bit about our church's future. And to talk about our church's future, and I ultimately want to talk about our church's past a little bit. And I want to talk more specifically about the church's past. Uh, to talk about how we got movement church here, how we got to where we are today. In 2011, I had been serving as a youth pastor in the city of Alamogordo, about an hour and 15 minutes away from here. Um, for, uh, I had been there for four years, and after four years of seeing friends and families from our t- town move to Las Cruces and not know how or where to connect with a local church here in this city, um, I just honestly, I got kind of mad. I got kind of mad. Uh, I saw students who loved Jesus and people that I had pastored for you, for four years not able to connect with the church here. I saw families who, who I knew loved Jesus move to this city and not know how and, or where to connect with a local church here. And I kept hearing the same story from, from all of these people who were moving to Crucis and, and, try, and checking out churches and trying out churches and you know not able to connect with the churches. Here's the story I kept hearing. The churches there are fine, but I got the sense that since I hadn't been there my whole life, I wouldn't ever be able to belong. That's what I kept hearing over and over again, like almost verbatim that story over and over and over and over and over again. In other words, they got the sense that the churches, they, they tried to exist for people that were already there and not for them. And because I got mad about hearing that over and over, I looked up some church statistics about the city of Las Cruces, and something I found got me even more mad. Um, the statistic was that 88% of Las Cruces residents did not regularly attend church did not regularly attend church, that only about 12% of the city regularly attended church and 80%, 88% of the city of Las Cruces didn't regularly attend church. And that in and of itself didn't make me particularly mad. But what made me mad was thinking that if any of those 88% of the city showed up to, any, to, to a church on any given Sunday, they would probably feel what my friends felt, that the church was nice, but it was not for them. And I don't know why that made me, and I didn't know at that point why that made me so mad. And one night I was praying about it and I felt like God said, well, Chris, the reason that that makes you so mad that you're, the reason you're so upset about this is because I want you to do something about it. I want you to go start a new church there. I want you to go plant a church in Las Cruces. Now, I was 28 at that point. Like I I was 28. Jalen and I had been dating dating for about seven months. This didn't make any sense to me. The idea of planting a church when I was 28, I wasn't married. We had been dating for about seven months. Like it just didn't make any sense. And so after thinking about this, praying about this, like, cause I was like, chances are this is just, you know, pizza talking or tacos talking. And then it kept coming up like in prayer over and over and over again. And I thought, okay, this might actually be something I need to like, have, have some conversations about. And so one night, Jalen and I were sitting over dinner, and, and I asked her what she thought about someday moving to Las Cruces and, and, and starting and planting a church in Las Cruces. And she said to me, I would never want to go back to Cruces. She had gone to school here. I would never want to go back to Cruces. And she listed off a whole bunch of reasons that she didn't ever want to move back to Cruces and why planting a church in Cruces was something that she had no interest in doing. And I thought, well, that is concerning, like, because, because I felt like, okay, I think I'm supposed to go plant a church in Las Cruces. And I had kind of decided already that I was going to propose to Jalen. And I thought, well, this might put some of those things at odds. Cause I think it's important for people to be, you know, moving in the same life direction and like rough for a pastor whose wife doesn't want to plant a church. All, like, I was like, that's kind of, that's kind of difficult. So anyway, like I remember thinking, well, that kind of is, is interesting. And I didn't say anything about it because I didn't want to like put, put any kind of big pressure on it. But the next day Jalen came back, back over for, for dinner the next night to, to, to my house and she said, hey, I was thinking about that question that you asked me last night. 
And I, I, I couldn't, couldn't sleep all night because I was thinking about it. And she said, all of the reasons that I don't want to go to Las Cruces to plant a church are the very reasons that we should do it. So, I, so, if, so if you want to do it, I'm in. I said, who's we? We're not like, no, I'm just kidding. Like, like, that, like that, that was the thing. But we decided at that point, like, hey, like, we're, like, we're going we're gonna to start to pursue this. So, so we eventually got engaged. We got married in 2012. We, we got married and we started pla- planning and and. and praying and pursuing the idea of what it would be to move to Las Cruces and to plant a church. We started going through trainings. We started reading books. We started watching videos. I mean, we started doing everything we could to to be prepared to know what it would look like to plant a church. And so for the next three years, we did that. And then in the in, in summer of 2015, we, we announced that we to our church, we told our church that we were going to be leaving the staff. We sold our house in, fall, in, in September of 2015. We made the move to Las Cruces. And the fall of 2015, we began raising money and began starting to build a team to launch what would become Movement Church. I, I, I was 30 Two and Jalen was a little less than thirty-two, and I, I mean, we were we were young. We were we were still very much newlyweds. We didn't have any kids. I was a senior pastor, a lead pastor who didn't have kids, which is really smart. Our our core team was incredibly young. The team that that built and developed in our house over the over the course of the next few months was incredibly young. I was thirty-two, but I was the old man of Movement Church. I mean, like it was it was crazy. And then in January twenty sixteen, we we had our first official public service as Movement Church. And it was amazing. And we started, and, and from the very beginning with our team, and from the very beginning, we kept saying, we don't, uh, we don't believe our city just needs another church. We believe our city needs a different kind of church, a church that's, w- that's ready to meet people wherever they are, a church that's ready to meet people on any stage of the journey, a church that's designed to strategically welcome new people into a church that says, if you're new, you're welcome here. And we knew that this kind of church would see all kinds of people at all kinds of different stages of a spiritual journey and all kinds of different stages of a spiritual walk come into our church. We knew we would have people who had been away from church for an entire lifetime. And the very first time they would set foot in church would be our church. And we wanted to welcome them. We knew that we would have people who had disconnected and disengaged from, from a church and they'd be coming back to church in us with all kinds of questions and all kinds of hurts. And we wanted to welcome them. We knew sometimes there would be people who had just recently found Jesus and they needed community, and they would need to grow a lot, and we wanted to welcome them. And we knew we would have people who had been followers of Jesus for a long time and needed a new mission to engage their faith in, and we wanted to welcome them. We wanted to welcome people at all stages of their spiritual life and all stages of their spiritual walk with Christ, that we wanted to engage and welcome people who were new at any point in their faith journey. And so we launched in 2016, and we began to see that dream become a reality. And it, and it was amazing. And over the next four years, over the next four years, we saw people come to faith in Christ. We saw marriages restored. We saw families restored. We saw people beginning to make better decisions as they followed Jesus, better decisions about their life and their career and their families and all different aspects of life. We saw people growing in their faith. We saw people growing in their way they related with each other. Like we saw a load of people come, coming coming to our church. We saw, we were able to give a ton of money to missions or able to spend, you know, thousands of hours hours investing in, in, in serving our community, like the dream was, was, was becoming a reality. Not only were we see, seeing people meet and find Jesus, we were seeing people meet and find the one. You know, like we were like, we're pointing to the one, but you're also finding the, the, the other one. And people were getting married and we saw a ton of, ton of marriages happen in our church. We saw babies being born in our church or nursery started expl- expl- not, not exploding, but like, you know, growing. And, 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 it, and, it, and it was amazing. And we were really starting to see this dream 
come to life. And we hit January 2020, and we saw multiple weekends where we'd have over 200 adults and kids and students. And it was amazing. We were thinking, this thing is really about to take off. And then COVID. (laughs) And then COVID. And like COVID did for everyone, everywhere, for every church, for every business, for every family, for every single person, for every person that exists, COVID changed all our plans. COVID, COVID just kind of threw a wrench in everything as, 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 for, for, the, for the church. I mean, when we think about it as a church, like going, back, going back a year and a half now, like for, for the next six months, our church existed only online. Our church existed only in virtual settings. Our church existed only on Facebook and only on YouTube. We lost use of the school that had been our home for four years. And when we were finally able to get back to in-person service, we weren't able to use the school that we had used for four years. So now we have this hybrid thing going where we have in-person services and we have online services and we have all of that stuff going. And 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 it changed and it changed everything and and things are still getting back to normal and and for some of you like you like you have stayed online for well beyond that six month time period like it's a year and a half later and you have stayed online and for you if you might be thinking that I'm about to drop some bomb on you here's the bomb I want to drop on you if you're still engaging online after a year and a half I am so proud of you it would be easier to not engage online. It would be easy to just go about life and see posts from Movement Church on a Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and not actually sit down and engage with a church service for 50 minutes on a Sunday. Thank you so much. I'm so proud of you for continuing to stay engaged and stay involved and stay connected with what's going on in Movement Church and being a part of Movement Church, even if it's happening online. And so, and so here's the thing, as, as we begin to hopefully emerge from some of the weirdness of the last year, and we acknowledge that you know, COVID has changed the reality of the world for, for a lot of people and changed the way, way people interact, and church looks different and it feels different. It doesn't always feel the same as it used to feel. Like, I think sometimes we, we, we kind of go, well, where do we go from here? Like, where do we go from here? Because what church looks like now is definitely different from uh, what church looked like in, in 2020 before, every, before everything, everything happened. Not, and this is not just our church, but this is every church in, in the, across the world. Matter of fact, one of the things that's most comforting to me when, I, when I'm able to do this is to get together with other pastors and to talk about how this is weird everywhere, that no one is back to normal, that nothing is back to normal. But we're all asking the question, where do we go from here? Where do we go from here? And so today, I want to remind us of what led us here, what got us started in the first place, what got us moving in the first place, what launched Movement Church in the first place, what has mattered to us from the very beginning, and what has driven us as a church from the very beginning. For some of you, this is going to be a reminder of why you love movement and why you found a home here. For some of you, this will be a reminder of why you get up and serve and show up early and engage kids with messages of God's love and wisdom, and why you sweat on Sunday mornings and why you need a different shirt for church you know like in when you if you come to in person why you need a different shirt for church than you wore for church you know for showing up early to set up and and and, and get things ready for some of you the, who may be relatively new to our church you're going to learn today what movement is really all about what's driven us from the very beginning and I hope it inspires you and I hope for all of us it inspires us to engage in the things that ultimately matter most in building and becoming the church that we've been striving for from the very beginning. And here's why, here's why I ultimately believe this is so important. What God has done before, God wants to do again. What God has done before, God wants to do 
Again, God wants more saving of people. God wants more people to know his love. God wants more families restored. God wants more college students to know that church can be a reality and a vital part of their life and a relationship with God while they're in college. God wants single 20-somethings and single 30-somethings to know that the family of God can be their family while, while they're looking to still someday build a family of their own. God wants to know that the, that the church, God wants them to know that the church can be their family. God wants more families restored. God wants more people baptized. God wants more people growing in their knowledge of him and in a relationship with him. God wants more of what he has already done. God wants more people learning that they can use their gifts and their talents and their abilities to be used by God and that what God can do through them, if they're willing to step out and step up, is far greater than anything that they thought possible. God wants more people serving our community. God wants more kids to know that God loves them and building relationships and building habits that they can carry for a, a lifetime to know God for a, for a lifetime. God wants more of that, that what God has done before, God wants to do again. That what God has done before, God wants to do again. And I still believe that he wants to do it and he wants to do it through us. That what God wants to do again, he wants to do again through and with us. Now, when I talk about the church, that the, the things that have mattered to us from the beginning, what I'm really ultimately talking about are the things that have mattered to the church since the very beginning. Because, because I still cling to this, I, this belief that the early church set a tone for what the church could and should be that still hasn't been matched. And, and what God did through the early church and the things that they prioritized is unlike anything the world has ever seen and completely changed the course of history. And I believe the closer our church today, the closer our church gets today to living out the things that the early church lived out, the greater impact we'll have on our city, in our world, in families that we know, and the, li and the lives that will be impacted for eternity. Here's the story of the early church. Here's the story of the early church. Jesus died, Jesus raised from the dead, and the resurrection changed everything the resurrection changed everything. When someone predicts their death and resurrection and then they die and they rise from the dead, that wins every argument and it changes everything and it did. And over 500 people after Jesus raised from the dead, over 500 people saw Jesus after his resurrection and they went to their graves proclaiming something. They didn't go to their graves proclaiming what they believed. They went to their graves proclaiming what they saw. They went to their graves proclaiming what happened, proclaiming what happened. And so, so for, for 40 days, Jesus walked among these people, walked among these 500 people who saw him after, after his resurrection. After 40 days of walking with and teaching his disciples, Jesus returned to heaven by floating to heaven, which is, by the way, a cooler way of getting to elevation than Bezos or Branson have figured out yet. Like he, got, he, he, he returned to heaven, and while he was returning to heaven, he said, I want you to go back to Jerusalem and wait for the, for the Holy Spirit to come upon you. Wait for the one that I have promised. Wait for the comforter. Wait for the Holy Spirit to come on you. And so they headed back to Jerusalem. And for 10 days, they waited. Jesus didn't tell them how long to wait. He just told them to wait. And so for 10 days, they waited in the upper room. 120 people waited in the upper room for the promise of the Holy Spirit that Jesus had given them. After the Holy Spirit, after, after 10 days, the Holy Spirit comes upon them and things get wild. This was actually something that happened. The Holy Spirit came upon them and it was noticeable to people outside the house that something was happening. Because when the Holy Spirit is working in a church, when Jesus is working in a church, when God is working in a church, it should be noticeable on the streets. That's maybe a little side note. When it's it's happening in the church, it should be noticeable 
on the streets. And what was happening was so noticeable that they started banging on the doors and asking people to come out and explain what was going on. And so the apostle Peter, one of Jesus' disciples, the bold guy who you know had been so bold and was often wrong and often got things wrong, but was bold enough to step forward. He starts to teach the people and starts to tell this large crowd that had gathered what is happening. He explains that Jesus died for their sins. He explains that their sin put Jesus on the cross, but that they can turn to God because of Jesus's resurrection, that they can come to back to God and they can be renewed, that they should be baptized to, for the forgiveness of their sins and so that they can, they, they can know God through Jesus. And it's amazing. And on that day, the very first day of the church, 3,000 people made a decision to put their trust in the death and the resurrection of Jesus for the forgiveness of their sins and to bring new life. It was unbelievable. I mean, that is a good opening day. It's a great opening day. And then Luke, then, then Luke, this doctor, who was one of Jesus's earliest followers, he recorded for us in the next few verses what the early church became known for what this group of believers, this group of people who had chosen to trust in Jesus' death and resurrection, what they were known for, what mattered most to them. And here's how he describes the early church in Acts chapter 2, verse 42 through 47. He said, All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. A deep sense of awe came over them all, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. And all the believers met together in one place, and they shared everything they had. They were together. They were together. This is a big deal. I said this last week in the context of family, but it applies in church as well. There is nothing we can't do if we'll do it together. There is nothing we can't do if we'll do it together. There is nothing the church can't do if the church will do it together. There is nothing on earth that is stronger than a unified church. There is nothing on earth, there is nothing in hell that is stronger than a unified church. There is nothing the church can't do if we'll do it together. He went on to describe this. He said they sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshiped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. See, the church was together. The church was big and the church was small. The church was growing in faith in God and in connection with God. The church was generous towards God and generous towards those around them. The church was continuously spreading the good news of the resurrection and God's grace. This is what the church was known for. This is what marked the church from the very beginning, and it changed the world. And when a church gets this right today, it still changes the world. One life and one family, and one forever, and one destiny at a time. It's what we want to be at the very core of everything that we do and everything that we are as a church. It's what's driven movement from the very beginning. This picture of, of, of the early church is what's driven us from the very beginning. And there's some habits and some actions that are present in the, in, in the early church that we've taken as pictures and examples for what we believe that we are called to do and who we're called to be here and now in our city, in our world 
today. And so today what I want to do is I want to talk about five habits that I would love for you to engage in. That if you want to see, if we want to see God do again what God has done before, if we want to see God do more in, in the future than he has done in the past, these are the things that I want to make sure that we're doing as a church, that we're engaging with as individual believers, as individual parts, as individual members of a local church. So here's the first habit. Attend. First habit is attend. Whether it's online or in person, I'm not gonna ever say like one is better than another. I, 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 want you to, I want you to attend. Whether it's online or in person, we want you to make church a regular part of your routine. Regularly attending is keeping the things of God as a central part of your life. Where every week we gather and study the word of God together, hopefully laugh together, hopefully learn together, hopefully are inspired together and learn how to apply what we study together in the course of our daily lives. It's when we worship together and we remind ourselves with singing of the goodness of God and what he has already done for us. We remind ourselves of who he has been and who he will be in the future. The gathering together is a big part of the growing relationship with Jesus that we so often talk about. That be, be, Because it's a time and space where a lot of things begin and we move forward from there. The gathering is where the good things begin. The gathering is where so many of the good things begin. Because it's valuable, we want you to make it a priority. Because it's valuable for you, because it makes you a better follower of Jesus, we want to encourage you to keep gathering. Whether it's online or whether it's in person, we want you to gather. Now, the great thing about the online thing right now is, again, so many of you, you're still attending online because of what, you know decisions that, 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 that are your family's decisions and, and all that kind of stuff. There's so many people who are attending online, and that's great. And if you're attending online, keep attending online. And when you feel comfortable about getting back in person, come, come back in person. But what, like, when you're attending online, keep attending online. It, and, and the great thing is we have a lot of people in our city, in the city of Las Cruces, who are attending online, some of whom had never been to, been to Movement Church in person, but we have become their church over the last year and a half. And that's great. And if that's you, I love you guys so much. And we're so grateful to have you guys as a part of this. What's also cool about this is this is the online thing has helped spread beyond Las Cruces. Movement Church is bigger than a church in Las Cruces. Right now, today, right now, today, not only in Las Cruces do we have people who are gathering online, we also have people gathering together for watch parties in Phoenix. We got Movement Phoenix going on, y'all. We got, we got watch parties happening in the city of Phoenix. We also have families who gather together with, with us in El Paso and in Fort Worth, Texas. And if some of you, when you heard Texas, if you just like started going to the stars at night or big and bright, you actually have to turn the watch off and find a new church. I'm just kidding. Like, like, like that, that, that's great. We love that, that you guys are doing that. We have families who gather with us from Buffalo, New York. We have families who gather with us from my home state in Wisconsin, home of the NBA champion Milwaukee Bucks, Bucks in six. I know it was a while ago, but that's still wonderful. We have people who are gathering from all over the place. And wherever you're gathering from, here's what I want to say to you. Keep gathering. Keep staying consistent with it. Keep making, the, making church a priority in your life. Keep it part of your routine. Keep the things of God front and center in your life. Keep a slot in your gathering calendar for movement church. That's the first habit. The second habit is this. Connect in a small group. Connect in a small group. See, community matters. It matters big time. 
It matters big time. Having people who know you and love you is a big deal. And for community to be a reality in your life, you may have to work for it a little bit, especially in the, in the ways that we, we if, if we're, where a lot of things are online right now and it's not happening in person right now, community has to be worked for. I love what Justin Vistine said in a sermon that I caught of his a few weeks ago. He said this, we must work to cultivate community, not just consume it. We must work to cultivate community, not just consume it. See, you connecting in a group depends on the group, but it also depends on you. It depends on you continually showing up because the relationships develop over time. Connection develops over time. Feeling comfortable enough to share what's going on and ask for prayer, it develops over time. And so for, especially for those of us who are watching online right now and, and, and you're still in an exclusive online, you know, like life is still all happening online. There's some good news over the course of the next few weeks and months, we're going to be launching some more Zoom study groups. If you're still not comfortable getting in person, we've found that we can do some really great Zoom groups. And so we're, we're going to be launching more of those as ways to connect, ways for people to connect you know, a, 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 around our city, as ways for people to connect who are outside of our city footprint to connect with what's, what God is doing at Movement Church. Connecting in a small group is a big deal for you to have people who know and love you. It's also a big deal because of how you how community helps us grow. See, what we often say is that ideas start in rows, but they start to take hold in circles. That ideas that ideas begin and conversations begin in rows, but they really take hold and life change happens best in circles. And part of the reason they take hold in circles is because of how we open up in small groups, groups of people. And if you notice in the passage above, it talks about they were together in homes. They were together in homes. They were sharing meals in homes. There's something that happens as we share meals. As we open our mouth to put in food, we also tend to open our mouth to talk about real life stuff. And so as we, as, we, as we get together in community, whether it's by Zoom, whether it's at a restaurant for lunch, whether it's on a back patio, whether it's moms getting together at a farmer's market, whether it's couples getting together at, at homes to discuss how to get better at marriage, whether it's singles getting together to study, to some, study, study the word of God, whether it's a guys group studying Hebrews, or whether it's a Zoom lunch group studying through the James, we get better together because we're more willing to talk in smaller settings. We're more willing to share what's going on in our lives. We're more willing to discuss how we need to grow in smaller settings. So community is more, I, that's why I want, uh, want you to all embrace a habit of connecting in a small group. That's the second habit. Let me give you the third one, give. We want you to attend. We want you to connect in a small group. We want you to give. See, when you see the description of generosity within the early church that we just read, it honestly, it kind of takes your breath away. Kind of takes your breath away. It might even be a little scary if you're thinking like, oh man, if he's going to tell us that we need to do what they did, like sell our possessions, sell our property, give everything that we have, like how, what, what are we going to live on? I'm not, I'm not going to call you that, but that's an inspiring example of, of, of a church that fell in love with Jesus and was so generous they were willing to give of everything that they had to make sure that everyone's needs were met, that everything that God wanted to do was provided for. And here's what I know, here's what I know in, 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 in today's setting, in, in our church, here's what I know. Everything God wants to do is covered when all of God's people give. Everything God wants to do is covered when all of God's people give. And we believe God wants to do some great things. We believe God wants to do it again. We believe God wants to do again what he has done before. We believe God wants to do more in the future than he has done before. And everything that God wants to do is covered when all of God's people give. See, we have big plans and big dreams for our church. We really do. We believe that God wants our church to be a church that reaches thousands of people in our city. We believe that that will happen someday. That's a big plan, big dream. And we believe that that will be covered financially because God's people will 
will give to make sure that it happens. We see a building in the not too distant future. Yay, I mean, fingers crossed. We see a building in the not too distant future. We see expansion of ministries in the not too, not too distant future. Making sure our, our, our kids' ministries and our youth ministries are, are incredible. Making sure that we have spaces for Bible study. Making sure that we have spaces for Celebrate Recovery. Making sure we have spaces for parenting mentoring and for, and for marriage mentoring and for, for recovery programs. We want to make sure that we have spaces to expand ministry. And so we believe that that's going to happen. We believe God will provide for that through his people. We see the return of four Crucis outreach opportunities this fall. We think there's a lot that God wants to do. And for all of that to become a reality, we know God has it covered. And here's the thing about that. We know that God has it covered through you and you practicing a habit of generosity through you practicing a habit of generosity. And I'll just brag on our church for us for a little bit. Our church does more with less money than I have ever seen in a church before. Our church accomplishes more with less money than any church that I have ever seen, which if you're an investor, this is gonna, this is gonna send goosebumps down, you know, give you goosebumps on your forearm. Our church has a greater return on investment than any church I've ever seen. What our church does with little amounts of money is it returns an incredible, incredible return on investment. When you financially invest, when you're financially generous towards Movement Church, I'm just telling you, God takes it and it blows up and it does amazing things. And more happens with the little that our church has had over the years than I've ever seen in any church. The return on investment is greater in our church than any church I've ever seen. You can feel confident when you give to our church that it goes to good use, that it goes to God things, that it goes to help people in God ways. And so for some of you, I would just encourage you today, whether you're, whether you're part of our, 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 our area footprint or out of the area, I would encourage you, if you love Movement Church and if you love being a part of the community, I would encourage you to take the step to begin a habit of generosity towards God through the local church. You can give online. If you're outside of the area, I wouldn't recommend trying the text thing because you may end up giving to a church in your area accidentally. I would recommend giving online or, 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 or mailing something physically. But I would just encourage you, to give to, the lo to, to a local church, to give to the church that's making a difference in your life and in your family and in your community. So that's, that's the third habit is, is, is to give. The fourth habit is to serve. The fourth habit is to serve. See, notice again from that passage describing the early church, it says they experienced the goodwill of all people. Of all people. When was the last time any church had the goodwill of all the people in any community? Like no one in the whole city had a problem with the church? Wow. No one in the whole city of Jerusalem, because the church was doing so much good, no one had a problem with the, with, with the church in the entire city of Jerusalem? That is a big deal. You want to know how that happens? It happens when a church is willing to serve. It happens when a church is willing to serve. Willing to serve and bring their gifting together to create excellence within the walls of the church and willing to serve and bring their gifting and ability and resources to meet the needs of people within the community within the community. And this is a big deal. So when it comes to our, our when it comes to serving at movement, for some of you, you you're, you're online, you're thinking, well, how do we serve if we're online? There's some great ways that you could serve online because digital church actually requires a lot of, a lot of time and effort. And there may be some expertise and some abilities that you have that would translate well to helping the, to helping to serve and create a, a, an excellent environment in the digital church. For online, we, we need online hosts for service. We need technical expertise. We need video 
editing skills. We need design skills. We, people who have admin skills. There are all kinds of ways. If you're still on, online only, there are many ways that you could help the church. And right now, in the, in the description of this video, there's a Dream Team sign-up link. You can go to our website and sign up to, for, for any of those areas to participate and, and get involved in serving with our dream team. If you're in person, if you're in person still, the, the, and, and you're catching up online, this could be the host team, which is greeting and welcoming people. It can be audio and visual technology. It can be kids ministry. It can be set up and takedown. It can be youth. It can be leading a small group. It can be our, our community team, uh, our community needs team. It can be our prayer team where we pray for people throughout our community and throughout our church. There's a lot that we can do to create excellent environments and to keep establishing excellence within the walls of our church. And there's a ton of things that we can con- continuously do to meet the needs of our community. And if we'll step up to serve in the ways that God is calling us to serve, step up and bring our talents and our ability and resources, God will continue to to bless that and to do amazing things through our church, in the walls of our church, as people come to know Jesus, but also outside of the walls of the church as people's needs are met in the name of Jesus. Let's step up and build a habit of serving And the fifth habit that I would love for every single one of us to to develop is the habit of inviting people. The habit of invite. The habit of invite. See, you have influence with someone who doesn't yet know Jesus. Every single one of us does. You have influence with someone who doesn't yet know Jesus. It could be in your neighborhood. It could be in your family, your extended family. It could be someone that you work with. It could be someone that you go to school with, someone that you're, that, that, a family that your kids go to school with, a family that's on, on your kid's soccer team or baseball team or basketball team or volleyball team or whatever team they're on, underwater badminton, underwater b- basket weaving, like whatever your kids do and there's parents around, you have influence with someone who doesn't yet know Jesus. And I would love for every single one of us to think through the people that we have influence with and that we have a relationship with that doesn't yet know Jesus and for us to be willing at some point over the next few weeks and months to extend an invitation for that person to come and hear about Jesus, whether it's in an online environment or whether it's in an in-person environment. If, 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 if This can look a lot of different ways right now. In, in the online world, this can be sharing a Facebook video, this can, sharing it straight from Facebook. This can also be on YouTube, sending someone the link to the video, to the, to the video every week. And, and if, if you know someone who's more comfortable coming back in person, this could be letting them know the information about when and where our church meets. It's 1030 at Hotel Encanto every Sunday. This is, this is, a, this is a big deal that every one of us has influence with someone who doesn't yet know Jesus, and we may be the the thing and the person that God uses to point them toward Jesus. So would we be willing to step up and step up to the plate, step out in boldness to invite someone to an environment designed with them in mind, to invite someone to an environment where it's been designed to help encourage and welcome new people? See, here's the thing. At the end of the day, This isn't just because we want our church to grow bigger. I would love if our church grows bigger. I think we're called to be a a church that grows and grows and grows over time. I think we're called to be a a church that that eventually grows bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. But this is ultimately not about growing our church bigger. See, I want our church to grow bigger, but I don't just want our church to grow bigger. I want hell to be smaller because of us. I don't just want our church to be bigger. I want hell to be smaller because of us. I want us to lead people who don't know Jesus 
to know Jesus and to find freedom and peace and joy in him. And when you step up with an invitation, you get to be part of that process. I want people who have disengaged and disconnected from a local church to find a connection, to find a home at our church, because I think that our church has something to offer to the world as, 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 as an incredible place where people can come and ask their questions and bring their hurt and bring their pain and find healing in the name of Jesus. And when you step up with an invite, you're part of people finding healing and freedom in Jesus. So would you build a habit of inviting people, of using the influence you have to share the good news of Jesus with the people that you know? So here's the thing. I want, I want God to do again what God has done before. I know God wants to do again what God has done before. And as I was thinking about this, I kept thinking about my, my little girls. My little girls who are so, so sweet and so wonderful, they're two and four. And, and what happens so often as a, as a dad is, you know, I'll, 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 pick, I'll pick one of the girls up and I'll swing them around and it'd be great to pick them up by, by their little hands and I'll swing them around and they'll think it's so amazing and they'll be laughing and smiling. Going, ha, 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 ha. And what happens when I do it for one is the other one comes up and goes, daddy, do it for me. I go, okay, and I'll pick that one up and I'll spin them around, I'll twirl them around and they'll be smiling and laughing. And then the first one will go, daddy, do it again for me. I'm like, I already did it for you. I already did it for you. I'm getting, daddy's, getting, daddy's getting dizzy. I'll pick, the second, I'll pick the first one up and we'll do it again. And the second one, daddy, do it for me again. Do it again, do it again, do it again. And it's daddy, do it again, do it again, do it again. And I'm going, daddy's tired. I've done this. Daddy's dizzy. Daddy needs to sit down. Like, I don't know if I want to do it again. I think for some of us, so often, we can get in this mindset where we go, well, I've already done this. Like, I've, I've been inviting. I've been serving. I've been giving. I've been, like, I've done, I've, done, I've done this before. I don't, I'm not sure. Like, do, it, do I really want to do it again? And here's what I would say. God wants you to do it again. God wants to do it again. And because God wants to do it again, God's going to ask you to do it again. In the same way that, my, that, that I, as a dad, look to my girls and because they want me to do it again, I'm willing to do it again. Your heavenly father is saying, I want to do it again. And for, because I want to do it again, I need you to do it again. So I need you to step up and I want you to attend and I want you to serve and I want you to give and I want you to connect in small groups and I want you to invite because I want to do it again. The same things that I've done before, I want to do again and I want to do them again through you. I want to do them again with you. I want to do them again in Las Cruces. I want to do them beyond Las Cruces. I want to start here. I want to start now and I want to do it again and I want to do it again with you and through you. So let's step up to the plate and watch what God does again. Let's watch him do it again, because I believe he can do it again. I believe he'll do it again as we step up to the plate. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, thank you so much today for who you are. Thank you for your love for us. Thank you for your grace for us. Thank you for our church. Thank you for our church that is, has, has been so wonderful to be the pastor of for five, for five and a half years. Thank you for the church that's going to be amazing to pastor for the rest of my life. Thank you for the call of God on this church Thank you that you have called us to be a church that impacts and influences a city. God, I pray today that you would give us wisdom to know what to do with what we've just heard. But God, more than anything, it's clear what we've been asked to do. So help us to have the courage to do it. Help us to step up. Help us to be willing to make sure we keep attending 
and keep connecting and keep the things of, of God and the things of church a central part of our life and a central part of our calendar. Help us to make sure that connection is a big deal. Help us to connect in small groups, to build community, to build connection with other people and other believers who will help us to grow and will stretch us to grow. Help us to be willing to be generous with our finances, to give where maybe we have held on to it in the past. God, help us to serve and give our time and our talents and our abilities and our resources into your hands to use as you want. And God, help us to be willing to step up boldly with invitations so that people who don't know you can know you. Help us to be willing to be bold with invitations so that people who have walked away from you, have walked away from church, can find a home in a church once again and can find a connection with their Savior once again. And God, I just simply pray, as we've said today, God, do it again. What you've done before, do it again. What you've done before, do it again. We know you want to. We're willing to step up to the table to make sure that, that we do our part. And God, we can't wait to see what you do in us. We can't wait to see what you do through us. And we're most excited that you're gonna do it with us. We love you, God. We pray this all in Jesus' name, amen.